Just one quick look. Come on, I promise. Yeah, that's what you said before we hit the 70% off at the Gap. I'm sure the one I fell in love with is gone by now. Also what you said about the comforter at Penny's. White sale. It's not even white. <gasps> oh, there it is. Isn't it perfect? Oh, this. Yeah, don't we have one of these at home? Yeah, well, that's what I said before you got another cordless drill at Sears. Well, you know, it was Sears Day. Everything's half off. Well, so is this. Isn't this an incredible couch? Heaven. Sit down, honey. No, let's go before some vulture-like salesman pounces on us. Good afternoon, folks. Too late. It is unbelievably comfortable. Isn't it? This is by far the most comfortable couch this company makes. And, you know, this one is my last one. Oh, I bet. Let's go, Tess. Come on. And, you know, this is also a hide-a-bed. It comes with a mattress and, if you buy it today, free sheets and pillowcases. Brian, for when we have guests. Oh, boy. And the sheets and pillowcases are free. Well, we've already spent way too much money. Plus, we can't afford it. You're right. You can't afford to pass up this deal. And I'll tell you what, Brian, I can call you Brian. Yeah, sure. Here, have a seat. Uh, now, if you walk out of here today with this couch, I'll accept no cash, nope. no credit cards, uh -uh. no money at all nope. till 2013. That's 12 whole months without any payments or interest. It's like you'll have a free couch. So no money? Nothing? Not a cent. Brian, what do you think? We're not going to get a better deal than that. Well, it's still a little expensive. Well then, Brian, why don't you write down on this paper what you think this couch is worth? Well, I think it's worth about what you're uh, asking for it. So you think this couch is worth that? <laughs> sure. All right. Why don't you write down on this paper what an excellent deal then would be for you? Kind of like a steal of a deal. Okay, sure. How about this? Oh, man. You're killing me, Brian. Hey. This is what we charge for delivery. What? Well, I'll tell you what. I'll waive this delivery fee. Yeah. If you... Buy it for that. It's the lowest price my manager let me sell it to you for. I'll tell you what, buddy. <laughs> we'll take it for this price or we walk. <sighs> this could cost me my job. <laughs> but hey, you guys are such a cute couple. And you do go with this couch. Yeah. All right. Sign here, and we'll call it a deal. Yes! <laughs> what a deal. All right, huh? This is good, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's go back to the office, and we'll fill out the paperwork. Let's make this final. You just rest here, sweetie. I'll take care of it. Yeah, I am kind of big. Right this way. So where do you keep the floor lamps? They're right over here. Boy, Brian, old boy. You showed that guy a thing or two about wheeling and dealing. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Well, this is kind of a nice couch. Yeah. I could lean back here and watch the Lakers. Ah, I bet a lot of suckers paid full price for this thing, but not me. Nope. Still got to pay, though.
Well, but that's, what, a year? How many months is that? <laughs> that's like 12, 10. Five, four, three, two, one. Happy New Year! What? Happy New Year, Brian! Uh, same to you. <clears throat> like the couch? Yeah, it's nice. Any problems with it? No, no problems. It's comfortable. <laughs> really comfortable? Yeah, um, what's taking so long? Where's, where's Tess? Where's my wife? And she can't hear you. <laughs> well, I... I don't know about you, but I'm feeling like there's a lot of problems with this couch right now. Problems? Yeah, uh, like, no. Any problems paying, right? No, no problems paying. I've got to like next year anyway. Well, time's up. What? Already? Yes. What do you mean? Pay up. <laughs> Pay up? Hey, you charge us like 28% interest here. Well, we did waive the delivery fee, right? Yeah. And it states in the contract. No interest, as long as it's not in conjunction with any other deal. Um, Can you read the fine print? I don't see that in here at all. Where, where? It's right there. No, Pam, if you ever want to see your wife again. My wife? What have you done with my wife? Pam! I don't have the money. Pam! I don't have the money. I don't have the money. I don't have the money. Tess! 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 Tess, where are you? Stay wherever you are, because I'm coming for you. You! What have you done with my wife? You give her back, or I'll drill my brains out? Brian! What are you doing? You're okay. She's perfectly fine. You stop talking. Stay right there. Don't get any closer. We're leaving. But, Come on. But, stay uh, right there. I don't understand. Come what's, on. what's going on? What's wrong? We're, stay right. What? Don't eyeball me. Stay what? right there. But what about our couch? Forget about it. Uh. Hey, good afternoon, folks. Like the couch? This is my last one. Most of us have probably bought something we couldn't afford with money we really didn't have. At some point in our lives, somebody would say, yep, that was me. Yeah, we've all done it at some point. Thanks, Deanna. Uh, we're going to deal with today get how to get more bang for your buck, three ways to get more bang for your buck. And one of the things we're going to deal with is the issue of debt, which is all too common in our culture. It's a very real problem. And like I said last week, uh, what we tend to think is that if we just have more money, that would fix all our problems. Now, I won't ask you to raise your hand on that one, but that's, that tends to be the way most of us view our life. If I could just win the lottery, if I could just get that big payoff, if I could just get that big bonus, more money would fix all my problems. But the truth is, our greater need is to learn how to manage what we have more with more wisdom, with greater wisdom. Our greater need is not more money. Our greater need is to learn how to manage what we have with greater wisdom. In my early 20s, I was clueless about how to manage money. And most of the decisions, the financial decisions I made, were based on one of two things. How much money I had in my checkbook, 
So I look at the bottom line of my register, yep, got money, I can buy that. Or how much money I still have left in, in credit, or available credit on my credit cards. Not wise. In fact, if you would look up impulse buyer in the dictionary, you would find my picture right next to it. It would be me. Because I was horrible. In fact, I still struggle. To be honest with you, there are still times in, in, in my life where I, I'm drawn to something just because I want it. And thank God for my wife, who, like I said last week, is Irish and frugal. And uh, all I got to do is look at her real quick, and, and my, my uh, impulse buying gets nipped in the butt real quick. But I, I have been that way. I've, I've operated that way. If I want it, I just go get it. And I had no financial plan in my early 20s. I had no operational budget. I had absolutely no way of tracking what I actually made or what I could afford to buy. And out of desperation one day, I asked my stepdad, Frank Mayo, who's with Jesus now, I said, Frank, I, I know you're really good with money and wise. Could you help me? And he did. And what I'm going to pass on to you today is what I've learned from him. I, the, most of the principles um, that I'm going to cover are also covered in the financial peace course that we're offering. And just to give a shameless plug, if uh, you are looking for more detail, looking for more help, I would strongly encourage you to stop at the financial peace table, the booth, and uh, see Nathan there in the lobby, and to sign up for that class which begins the end of the month. Because I can't cover all of what we're going to need to deal with here today, but I'm going to deal with at least some basics regarding a wise approach to managing your finances. There are three ways to get more bang for your buck. And here's the first one. Number one, we need to live within your means and decide to act your wage. One of the things we've got to do is learn to live within our means and decide to act our wage. I have confessed my stupidity to you. I shared a lot last week. I'll share more today. So I am not casting any stones at anyone in this room. And the last thing I want to do is add to your guilt and shame and, and the fact that you may feel bad about the state of your finances. That's not my intent. But we really won't and can't get healthy until we make a decision to live on less than we make instead of more than we make. Let me say that again. There's no way you're going to get healthy until you make a decision, a conscious, intentional decision to live on less than you make, not more than you make. I want to suggest that it's not wise, and in fact, it's dangerously foolish for individuals, for families, or even for governments to live beyond their means, to spend more than they make. Did you know, most of you probably know this, that the American national debt is over $15 trillion and growing daily. Now, that is not a political statement. I'm not, I don't care which side of the aisle you fall on as far as politics go. But the fact that we are adding to that by millions and millions and millions of dollars every hour and that we are at over $15 trillion in debt means that our country is not living within its means. And sooner or later, mark my words, sooner or later we're going to have to pay the piper. Sooner or later it, 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 it's a problem for us. And if it's true for governments, it's true for families as well. I just looked up this morning that the average, this is the average Household debt in America is almost $16,000. That's credit card debt. $15,700 and some odd dollars, almost $16,000 in credit card debt. That doesn't include the car loans and the home and whatever else we've got. Almost $16,000 per household in America, that's the average debt. And that's getting us in trouble. And it will get us into deeper and deeper trouble as we go, continue to go that way. I uh, used some proverbs last week from the book of Solomon. I'm going to do so again today. And if you don't know who Solomon is, he was the king of Israel once upon a time, a long time ago, considered to be one of the wisest men to ever live. And he wrote a couple of books in the Old Testament, one of them being the book of Proverbs, which is full of very practical wisdom. 
And I love the fact that the Bible is very practical and very applicable and very helpful in our lives. But he dealt with a lot of issues, and one of the things he dealt with quite frequently were resources and money. And in Proverbs 21.20, Solomon wrote this. He said, the best food and olive oil are stored up in the houses of wise people. Now you think, well, I don't store up a lot of olive oil. What's the point? Well, it's resource. The, the, the best food and olive, the best resources are stored up on the, houses, the house of wise people. But a foolish man eats up everything he has. A foolish person gobbles up everything they've got. And the practical wisdom here of Solomon was true thousands of years ago, and it's true still today. A wise person stores up for the future. And the only way to do that is to not spend more than you make. A wise person stores up for the future. A foolish person gobbles up everything and then some. At some point, at some point, the money runs, runs out if we're burning it faster than we're making it. At some point, our, the credit stops if our house of credit cards begins to tumble and fall all around us unless we exercise restraint. And so what are some of the challenges that we face to get there? And I, there are probably a lot. I'm going to land on two big challenges that I think most of us need to take a look at if we're going to ever get to spending less, living within our means, and acting our wage. And the first one is we must decide to stop. We've got to decide to stop. We've got to stop adding to our debt. We've got to stop adding to the pile that we, we've created, digging the hole deeper. We've got to stop living beyond our means and, stop, and start living within our means. And it is an intentional decision. I am telling you, I came to a place of desperation where I finally realized I was in big trouble and I had no idea what to do. And I went to my stepdad, Frank, and said, Frank, what do I do? And he said, the first thing you do is just stop. Stop digging a deeper hole. And the first thing you're going to have to do, and it's a tough decision, but it's an important one, is decide to stop. It's basic math. You know, I was never very good at algebra. In fact, the only way I got through algebra in high school was I pretty much bribed the teacher. And there's no way. I never got the X plus Y equals Z thing. That didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But pluses and minuses, business math, I've always been pretty good at. And it's common sense. It's duh. If there are more minuses in your world than positives, then you're going to end up financially in trouble. You've got to decide to stop spending more than you make. Stop adding to the debt. The second thing we must do, the second challenge, is that we've got to recognize the difference between a need and a want. And I landed briefly on this again last week, but let me just dial it up one more time. We have got to come to the point where we recognize, really, truly, honestly recognize the difference between a need and a want. And honestly, there are very few things that we actually need. Now, I know that almost flies in the face of our culture and what the general consensus is, but there are very few things that we actually need. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 6, 8, if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. And I might add to it, a house over our head. Paul was a tent maker, so he carried his house with him. But he said, if we had food and clothing, that's enough. We'll be content with that, and it is enough. But we live in a culture that constantly feeds what I call the want machine in us. The want machine. Buy it now and pay no interest till 2013, 13, 13, 13. For only $199, you could drive this brand new car off the lot today. This deal is only good for 24 hours. How many of you heard that one? 24 hours. And after that, the price goes up forever, forever, forever. And we don't stop to think about the fact that we'll be paying that off forever if we're not careful. We get sucked into this want machine, and, and we get messed up because we don't understand what truly is a need versus a want. We see something we like, and boy, I've been there. Again, I can, I'm owning this, guys. I'm telling you, I've, I wrestled with this for a long time. 
and I still sometimes do. We see something we like, and we want it, and we want it really bad. And we rationalize, we convince ourselves, we try to convince our spouse, this is a good idea, and so we get it, whether we can afford it or not. It's the American way, and it's killing us. It's killing us. Now, I am pro-America. Please don't email me. <laughs> and I'm even pro-capitalism. But I think we, where we've gotten, where we've crossed the line is where we are spending money we don't have. We are spending money presuming upon the future. We're spending money that is not ours yet, and we've not exercised wise restraint. In fact, the idea of delayed gratification is, is just this foreign concept in our culture. It, it really is. People, delayed what? Delayed gratification, what does that mean? I don't, the idea of not getting it immediately, saving for it, working toward it, setting it aside so that at some point later down the road, we can get those things we want. The word restraint in our culture is almost a four-letter word. It really is. Don't tell me what I can't do. I'm free. I'm an American, and I can go and identify if I want to. Yeah, you can. But then you live in that world that you make. And our, our tendency is it feels good, do it. If it looks good, buy it. Just go for it. And every time we do, we go a little deeper into a hole that's becoming harder and harder for us to climb out of. Let me suggest an alternative way. Ready? Here it is. How about if we learn to be content with what we have? Practice contentment. And I'm telling you, that is a challenge. I, this is not easy. But let's practice contentment. Let's practice restraint. Let's not give in to the impulse that drives us and the advertising and the salesman. And by the way, if you're in sales, God bless you. And that, the sketch was not to, intended to offend you. But again, if you can afford it, great. But let's, not, let's exercise restraint. And then let's do this. Let's trust God for our legitimate and real needs. For the things that we really need, let's trust him. And by the way, God's promised to meet our every need. Problem is, we have replaced need with the word want. And God hasn't promised to meet our every want. He's promised to meet our every need. A wise person learns to live within their means and to act their wage. That's the first way to get more bang for your buck. Here's a second one. Number two, reduce and eliminate your debt as soon as possible. Reduce and eliminate your debt as soon as possible. Once you stop adding to that debt monkey on your back, then you've got to start chipping away at it, paying off those debts, getting rid of them. And like I said, to get out of a hole while you're continuing to make it deeper is really hard. You know, if you're bottom of a well and you've got a shovel and you keep digging, you're never going to get out of that thing. And that's what so many of us have done. But we've got to put that credit shovel down, get out of debt, if we're to experience the financial freedom God wants for us. And I want to just, I want to cast a vision for you today. I want you to imagine. Use that God-given imagination that you have. Imagine what your life would be like if you were completely debt-free. I mean, even someday your home was paid off. Completely debt-free. What would your world be like? What might you be able to do someday that you really want to do? Instead of paying off, you know, hundreds of dollars to to credit card debt and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of dollars to interest, what might you be able to do if instead you set that money aside into a savings account or even into a fun account so that you could take that trip or do that thing you really want to do? What might your life be like if you were debt-free and all the money you're putting off to pay you know, credit bills that you were putting aside and paying yourself first? What would your life be like? Imagine what it would be like if you had absolutely no payments whatsoever. The financial freedom, the stress-free experience you would have without death. And here's another one. Imagine what you might be able to do for others 
or for the kingdom of God if you were debt-free. Imagine what you might be able to do for people, what you might be able to do as a blessing for others or for the kingdom of God if you were completely debt-free. I've been in ministry over 30 years, and I, and I, I uh, have this conviction. I honestly don't believe most people are cold, mean, selfish, hard, you know, I, I, don't, I don't believe that. I, I think most people want, there's a part of them that wants to be generous, wants to be kind. But so many are, are almost beyond that. They can't because there's so much debt. Imagine what your life would be like, what you could do for others, how you could bless people in your life, bless your family, your friends, how you could bless the kingdom of God if you were completely debt-free. Zig Ziglar, a motivational speaker, put it this way. If you do the things you need to do, when you need to do them, then someday you can do the things you want to do when you want to do them. If you do the things you need to do, like paying off debt, setting money aside, paying yourself first, dealing with your finances in a wise way, eliminating debt, if you do the things you need to do, then someday you can do the things you want to do when you want to do them. But unfortunately, tragically, debt enslaves us. It traps us. It wraps us up in a web of fear and frustration and stress, and it really does rob us of the joy of generosity. And the Bible says, this isn't Kurt Bubna, the Bible says, it really is greater, it's better to give than it is to receive. And some people, I don't know, I, I really like to get things. <laughs> well, I, I, that's, it's fun. But it's, it's so much more fun, so much funner to be able to give to bless others. It really is a blessing to be able to give. And when you are enslaved by debt, then it robs you of the joy of generosity. You know, long before the Occupy movement, which is happening all over our country and really all over the world, uh, before that ever happened, the Bible identified the problem. Again, from Proverbs. Proverbs 22, 7. Solomon said, the poor are ruled by the rich. Fact. And those who borrow are slaves of money lenders. Those who borrow are enslaved. They're in bondage at some level to those that they've lent the money from. The poor are ruled by the rich, and those who borrow are slaves of the money lenders. And the problem is nobody, nobody likes to be ruled over, and no one wants to be a slave, and rightfully so. But the path to freedom, let me just suggest the path to freedom is not to march on Wall Street. The path is to get out of debt. To get out of debt, to pay it off, to work hard, to get debt free. I had a conversation with a guy when I was on staff at Life Center. So, boy, I guess 10 years ago now. And he came to me in desperation. And I had taught a class. Laura and I have actually taught uh, financial classes and to hundreds of couples. And I, and I was teaching a class. And he heard about it. It hadn't gone through the class yet. But he came to me. He said, man, I, I'm really desperate. Can I talk to you? I said, sure. And he began to tell me his story and what they were into. And and between he and his wife, they had 18 credit cards, 18 credit cards. Every time he got an offer in the mail, you know, sign here and fill this out and give us your information and we'll send you a credit card, he did. And they had 18 credit cards and almost every one of them were maxed out, maxed out. And in fact, he was taking money from one credit card, cash advance on one to pay off another. So this guy's in deep doo-doo, to use a technical term. He's in trouble. And he's frustrated. He's stressed out. He couldn't sleep. He was losing chunks. I kid you not, chunks of his hair because of stress. He's, got, he's 36 years old. He's got a beautiful home, a beautiful wife, beautiful children, and has no joy in his life whatsoever. No joy at all. 
And so I just don't know what to do. In fact, what he told me is I'm seriously, I, I, I think about just getting in my car and driving as far south as I can. I just end up in Central America someday and run away from it all. Seriously. Now, I, you know, he just thought, I had no answer. I don't know what to do. Well, we sat down and we began to work through a plan for him. And the first thing we did was I said, you know, I, I want to meet next time with you and your wife. And I want you to bring every credit card you've got. And we're going to have a little party. And, and he, he, he said, what? I said, I don't mean a spin party. I mean, a, I'm bringing my scissor party. And uh, he, he, he and his wife came in with those 18 credit cards, and we cut every one of those cards up. Now, as some of you are thinking, well, that's just, that doesn't, that. what if you have an emergency? Well, you know, well here's the deal. Here's the, the wise way to go about this. It's better to set aside money and savings for emergencies. Here's a little insight. Ready? This is going to blow your mind. Ready for this? We all have emergencies. We do. You're going to have a tooth crack, a car crack, a kid crack. Somebody's going to get, something's going to break in your life. Emergencies, have you figured that one out yet? They just happen. They're part of life. And if you're not planning for that, if you're not setting money aside for that, then yeah, you're going to fall back on the almighty credit card rather than almighty God. And my suggestion is plan on it, save, set money aside, and then trust God. Trust him to help you when you get in trouble, when you're in trouble that was not your fault. And really ask God, just God, I need your help and your mercy here. Trust him. It's a better way to live. So anyhow, we cut up all, all of his cards and decided that was the best thing to do right then. And I know it was radical surgery, but necessary. And then we put into place what Dave Ramsey, and again, I'm shameless plug for the course, uh, Dave Ramsey calls the debt snowball. Now at the time, I didn't call it that because I didn't have that phrase. It's a Ramsey phrase. But this debt snowball, and I'm going to give it to you in a nutshell version. Some of you say, man, I need to know more about that. Sign up. But here's the debt snowball. First, you list your debts in order, smallest to the greatest. Everything you owe to anybody and everybody. You list your debts in order. Smallest debts, $300 to Macy's, and the next one, $500 to Penny's, and next one, $1,000 to, you know, Krispy Kreme, whatever it is. And <laughs> so uh, do they even have credit cards? They probably do. So you list your debt, smallest to the greatest. That's the first step. The second step is you make the minimum payments on all of the debts except for the smallest one, the one on the top of your list. The reason for that is you want to pay that off as quickly as possible so that you have a win. So that you can say, wow, okay, look, I'm making progress. And then the whole idea of the debt, the debt snowball is you take, once you've paid off that first one, so you're making minimum payments on all the others, you're paying as much as you can on that first one, the smallest one. Once that's paid off, you take all the money you're applying to that and you apply it to the next debt, the second one, until that's paid off. And then you take all the money you're applying to the first one and the second one, you combine all that, and you pay it on the third one. And you keep, that's, it's a snowball because as you keep, it keeps rolling, it gets larger and larger, and you'll be able to pay off more and more. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. It took this guy years to get out of trouble, a long time, because it was unbelievable how much debt he had. He had to get a second job, and... That was tough for a while, but I was proud of him because he did so. He sold a bunch of junk. By the way, here's just another. I, I'm not really thinking about anybody, trust me. But, you know, you know, storage business in our country has just gone off the charts. And, you know, it's unbelievable. And if you happen to own one, God bless you, you're smart to have them because everybody's using them. But here's a concept. Here's a radical concept. Sell everything. Go to that storage shed and get rid of it. Sell stuff. And eBay, Craigslist, have a garage sale. Get rid and he sold a bunch of stuff, and stuff that he thought he needed, and he found out he didn't. 
And he raised some money that way. He, he got a second job and over years using the SNET, do, the, the SNET dough ball. The, uh, <laughs> you know, I knew I was in trouble this morning when I'm in the shower and I put uh, shaving cream on my hands to shave and I put it on my hair. I, it's going to be one of those days. Lord, help me. What am I doing? Anyhow. The debt snowball, you know, one of the great benefits to that is that it works. And bottom line is you can get there. If my friend can, trust me, you can. You can get there, but it, 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 the goal is to become free, to not be a slave any longer to debt. Here's the third thing, the third way to get more bang for your buck, and I'll just spend a little bit of time on this. Number three, tell your money where to go or it just goes. The principle, the practice here is intentionality with your finances. Tell your money where to go. Or it just goes. Now, again, I'm going to make this short and sweet because I don't have the time to cover much of this in detail. But there are two very important components needed to discover and maintain financial health. One of them is a budget. The other is a tracking system. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, this is like Economics 101. I had this in college. Well, some of you were sleeping in that class. <laughs> and uh, you need to hear this again. It's but two basic components to financial health, a budget and a tracking system. What's the purpose of a budget? A budget identifies what you make and what your expenses are. It lists all your income and all your obligations. And some of us don't want to look because we're afraid. It's okay. Get past it and do it. What do you make and what do you owe? That's the first step. When my stepdad helped me, when I went to him and said, Frank, I am in trouble. Help me here. He, he said, do you have a budget? And I said, nope. Have you ever done one? Nope. So well, let's figure it out. And, and he helped me going through my checkbook register over a couple of months, identify where we spent money, what was going out, what our bills were, and then what my income was. And I had no idea. I, actually, at the time, I was making pretty good money. But I had no idea what my expenses were, none whatsoever. I couldn't tell you what we paid for groceries every month. I, and, but when I found out, it was shocking. Four kids. And they eat. And it was a lot. I couldn't believe that. It was like, wow, I spend that much on groceries. You've got to be kidding me. I had no idea what my average utility bills were. I was clueless about how much I spent on fun and things like entertainment and food out and miscellaneous junk. You know, sometimes it's not just the $1,000 purchases that get us in trouble. It's the $20, $10 purchases. The 10 here and the 15 there and the 20 there. We hit the ATM and... You know, we got that cash, we really don't know. And somebody says, well, you know, at the end of the month, you're balancing checkbook. Where did I spend $200 in cash out of the ATM? I don't know. But it's miscellaneous junk. Well, I listed all these things out, and imagine my dismay to discover that I was actually spending more than I had. A budget is a plan on paper that accurately describes what you have in resources and where you need to apply those resources. And a good plan begins with a good budget. But listen to me. It doesn't stop there. I'm always surprised at how many times when we've done the financial class or talked to people, and uh, I say, hey, do you have a budget? Oh, yeah, you know, our premarital counselor made us put a budget together. And, well, have, when's the last time you looked at it? Well, let me see, how long have we been married? <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, yeah, we put one together every January. You know, we always sit down and figure out our budget for the year. And so I said, well, how do you track how you're doing against the budget? And they kind of give me this blank stare. And I know, okay, you did one half of it. You need a budget. A budget's important. But too many stop there. They take the time to figure out what they have and what they need, but they do nothing to monitor, or I'll use another word, to track how they're doing each month. And so it's very important that we find or create a usable system of monitoring our expenses versus our income. There's things out there, QuickBooks, Quicken, uh, Mint.com is a free thing you can use online. 
old-fashioned ledger column system on paper will work just as well. But you've got to develop, find, use a tracking mechanism to track how you're actually doing each month. A budget's one half of the plan, an important part. The other half is, is a simple and doable way of keeping track of how you're really doing. And both are very, very important. A budget's great, but don't stop there. Have a way of tracking and actually measuring and holding yourself accountable. And my system, I've got about 10 categories. And I take from my income each month and deposit based on my budget into those categories. And one of them happens to be fun. Anybody like fun? I like fun. And I have a fun account. And, and here's the deal. Here's how this works. When I want to go to a movie and out for dinner, I look at the fun column. And if it's zero, guess what? Honey, we're watching football tonight. <laughs> Hope you like corn dogs. It's, you know, we don't, it's what I not only use to track, but I use it to, to make decisions as well. Remember I told you it used to be, well, I got money in the checkbook. Phew! You know, rather than that or what I've got on credit, I, I will look at where we're at. And here's the deal. When you do that and you actually put it into place in your life, uh, believe it or not, you, you actually end up getting ahead. And you find yourself really in a situation where there's financial health. There's so much more I could say here. I'm not going to take the time to do so today. But let me finish with one last gem of wisdom from the book of Proverbs. Solomon wrote these words in Proverbs 24. He said, a house is built by wisdom and become strong through good sense. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want to ask this question. And again, guys, you know I love you. This is not to bring guilt or shame or beat you up. This is an encouraging, provoking, challenging, in a good way question. How strong is your house? How strong are your finances? How strong is the state of your financial affairs? A house is built by wisdom. And did you know that God wants to give you wisdom? That God wants to give you more wisdom than you have naturally or on your own? James says, anyone lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it liberally. I can't tell you how many times I pray, I mean, thousands of times in my life, I've prayed, God, please give me wisdom. This is bigger than me. I, I don't know what to do here. God, give me wisdom. I don't know about this situation of my finances. God, I need wisdom. I don't know how to make a good decision. I'm not sure what to do. I can't just go off of my feelings or my experience or my knowledge. God, I need your help. And we pray, and the Bible says when we ask God, when we pray for wisdom, he gives it, and he gives it liberally to those who ask. I want to encourage you. Get in your face and say, God, oh God, give me wisdom. Help me to, to, to do this because I want to build a strong house, a strong home. And then he says, verse 4, through knowledge, its rooms are filled with all sorts of precious riches and valuables. Through knowledge, through understanding, through basic truth, knowledge, that you actually can become strong and healthy and even be blessed to be a blessing for others. God's plan for your house, for your finances, is that it be built by wisdom and made strong through good sense. And I'm here to tell you it is an awesome way to live. It's an awesome way to live. I also want to tell you that getting there may take some time, a lot of intentionality, maybe even some hard work, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Go ahead, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your wisdom and that you offer it to us and that you are waiting for us just to cry out to you. We sang about your name earlier, Lord, and the scripture says when we call on your name, that you, you save us, you redeem us, you, you answer the cry of our hearts. 
And God, there are probably quite a few of us in this room right now or watching online that were just like me in my 20s. I was messed up and, and uh, had made some really poor mistakes. And I needed your help. I needed your wisdom. And I'm so grateful, God, that you gave it. And I pray, Lord, right now, I pray that you would answer the cry of every heart in this room. That where we need wisdom, you'd grant it. Where we need help, that you'd grant it. Where we need mercy, Lord, and your grace, that you would grant it to us. And that you would help us to become strong, Lord, strong in our homes, strong in our finances, strong in our families, so that we can honor you, so that we can be a blessing to you and to others. So that we can really be a model, Lord, in a world that's just gone haywire of what it's like to follow God, to walk in God's ways. Because your ways are always better, Lord, than ours. I'm going to ask you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. And maybe you're here today and you've not started your walk with Christ as a Christ follower, as a Christian. And every week, uh, we give people the opportunity to do so here because I'm convinced that every week, people come realizing that they need something. And maybe you're here today and you, need, you realize, maybe because of the state of your finances or something else, that you need God, that you need a Savior, that you need hope, that you need help, that you need forgiveness and grace. And I'm here to tell you today that Jesus wants to give you everything you need. He wants to give you the forgiveness, the new life that you long for. And he really is a savior. He's a rescuer. He's a healer. He's a restorer. And it begins with a decision, choice we make to say yes to God, to give our hearts to him, to surrender. And I'm going to pray a very simple prayer right now. But what matters is where's your heart. And if it's in your heart right now, and you're saying, yes, God, I need you. Yes, I need a savior. Yes, I need forgiveness. Yes, I need your grace. Then just make this prayer yours right now. Father, I come to you, and I've tried to do life my way, and I realize that it's not, it's not good. I realize I need you. I need a Savior. I need forgiveness. I need grace. I need help. And so I humbly admit to you right now that I, I am broken, and I need a, a, a healer, and I need you in my life, and so I surrender. I say yes to you. I surrender all that I am, all that I have, all that I've done, past, present, and future. I give it all to you. And in this moment right here, right now, I choose you. Thank you for choosing me. I accept and embrace the cross, the payment you made for me on that cross. And I can hardly believe it, but God, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the new life you have for me right now. Now, if that's you, that's what you want in your own heart, to say, yeah, God, that's me. That's what I want. And the Bible says that instant you say yes to him, you become his child. You begin a relationship with him forever. Lord, those making that decision right now, show them what it means. Help them, God, to see the depth of your love for them. And God, help us to help them to walk with you all the days of their life. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Ushers are going to come. We're going to take our offering. Uh, if you have the tear-off tab, visitor tab, or the uh, prayer request, now would be a good time to put that in the bag as well. But let's give because we love the Lord, because we want to honor Him. Let's give as we worship. I'll come back and wrap it up. And I want to encourage you, please, let me just say it one more time. If you feel guilt, shame, embarrassment, that's not from God. That's from the enemy. What God wants to do is encourage you and bless you and help you see His way. And then you make the choice to follow him. Today, if some of you began to follow him for the first time as a Christ follower, tell somebody. Tell the people you came with. They'll be blessed. And then back on the tables as you walk out, uh, there's a packet that's for new Christians.
got a Bible, some material, get started in your walk with Jesus. Pick one of those up. Prayer team would be down front. Communion's on both sides of the room if you like communion. Next week, we wrap up the series, taking a look at three biblical principles that we all need to understand. And so it's going to be fun as we wrap up the series. God bless you guys. Go enjoy the snow this week. God bless you. Thanks for coming.